We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a True Faith podcast with me, Simon Campbell, uh, recording in July, but this is actually a podcast that we recorded earlier in the year for patrons. We'd always planned to get it out this this summer uh, for free. Um, obviously, it's pre-season. Everyone is talking about signings, potential signings, transfer market, and once upon a time, it was Championship Manager that filled that void for so many of us. So this podcast was where I was joined by Dave Black. Look him up on Twitter. He writes a Champman blog. and He's got a couple of t- Twitter pages, actually. Um, he's written books about it, and we just had a really, really interesting chat. Loads of nostalgia about those summers in, in the late 90s, growing up with, with Championship Manager. Um, if you don't know what Championship Manager is, I don't believe you. So, enjoy. Dave, I'm going to let you take the floor. Tell us a bit about what what you do, why you do it, and what is it about the, the kind of original versions of the game, particularly the 97-98 season? Yeah, so uh, it was about um, maybe five years ago now. I mean, the, the game, as you say, it's been out for 20-odd years now, but it's, it seems to be the one I always end up going back to all, all the way through from when it came out, through uni, all that kind of thing. It was always there in the background. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, it's actually, I was trying to get into into writing about football and things on a on a leisurely basis, really. Um, but it's it's hard to get your foot in the door. And you know, I was writing bits and pieces about the Premier League and Newcastle and that kind of thing. But unfortunately, saw an awful lot of people. So uh, I was um, talking to some mates one one of those days between Christmas and New Year, where you go at the pub all day and you start talking about old Championship Manager games, this kind of thing. And everyone around the table had a story to tell. And uh, you know, many of the lads I was there with that that night had spent you know we'd spent days in the summer holidays and things of days gone gone by playing these games, and then just a light bulb came on. And I thought I'm going to start blogging some of this because I, I'd had this ridiculous save going that I was just playing in my spare time where you know like Joe Kinnear was Inter Milan manager and he was the best manager in the world, which I, I think sadly <laughs> Mike Ashley also played this game at, at some point. <laughs> um, so that day I decided I was going to start the start the, this this blog about. Playing Championship Manager 97-98 through from the start, um, the aim was to get to the end. The game only runs for 30 seasons, and then it and then it stops. Which I know I say only 30 seasons, but it actually doesn't take that long these days. Whereas <laughs> it would have would have taken you several years, I think, on the on the on an old computer. Yeah, I think I think what probably some of our younger listeners won't appreciate is how big these games were in comparison to the home computers that people had. So it was my family's first like PC at home. It was Windows ninety five, and uh, it didn't. It wasn't really lend itself to games. We tried. We had like 
some of the old classes like Command and Conquer and they were quite slow yeah. on it and it didn't really work properly. And even this game, Champman 9798, which was, I think, the first that kind of added a whole host of leagues from, from Europe. So Spain and Germany were added. You could get Scotland, I think. And the game basically told you at the start, your computer can only run one league. We, we, we don't recommend <laughs> you do any more. And that took hours to install and to start a new game took 20-30 minutes for the for to render all the players all the leagues all the uh, all the clubs it, it's no mean feat completing 30 <laughs> seasons uh, on this on this game back in those days well, it's someone I'd never done um, playing as a, as a kid I mean I guess you kind of get bored a bit quicker when all the players are retired and you just sort of moseying on through with the players who so haven't got a clue who they are but yeah. uh, when I had a a, a goal to get to which was getting the end of the game now the first attempt actually the, the save corrupted halfway through which was a bit annoying but uh, I dusted myself <laughs> and went again and uh, it was quite interesting to be honest but I suppose the the headline was that Peter Baisley never retired um, th- th- there was a, <laughs> a bug in the game where, which I only found out about when he was about 49 and still playing uh, if you had a player on your shortlist he, he wouldn't retire so I decided to run with that and had him in the England squad at like 55, and then you end up scoring the winner in the 2026 World Cup final at 65, which was so many possibilities. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it could still happen. He could, he could dust his boots off, I suppose. Although maybe not after after recent uh, recent news. Yeah, yeah. Um, who who would have known? <laughs> who would have known? So yeah, tell us a bit about kind of uh, your, your blog. You you always got a Twitter page that supports that, and you've you've basically put all these into into published. Books for that people can can purchase. Yeah, so uh, the the original blog was, as I say, the the let's play a whole game and see what happens, and it thankfully got a bit of traction and people seem to enjoy reading it. Um, towards the end of that, uh, a chap called Chris Darwin, who if you you might remember, a football manager a few years ago, did some adverts on the telly called "We Are the Managers," and he was one of the managers who basically moved to Spain and had a great time playing football manager. Um, he had mm. started a publishing uh, company, and he contacted me and said, "Would I?" Been interested in writing a book about Championship Manager, and uh, it was never really something I'd thought about. But can it really knock that opportunity down when it comes? So uh, I knocked together a book which was basically playing through a season uh, in England uh, as England manager as well as like a sort of side story uh, because the World Cup '98 is at the end of the fir- of the first season. Um, yeah, and it was just going through some of the, some of the things that happened. I mean, with hindsight, some of the things are a bit far fetched now. Um, players who were kind of expected to be brilliant and maybe weren't and got big big moves, that kind of thing. Um, and that's really the, the premise of the book as well as playing through as, as England manager and, and doing the games in a sort of live text format, uh, which is a bit a bit surreal really doing it on a <laughs> on a, an old computer game like that. But uh, it was the only way I could think of doing the game and, and making it interesting. It, it's, it kind of takes me back because it's so interesting, but the way, it, the way this all comes about, it's about a game that at the end of the day it's just text flashing <laughs> on a screen it's just words it's just uh, probabilities and it's really really simple in in kind of layman's terms but it's so clever it's so brilliantly addictive and uh, my, my, one of my earliest memories of the, of this particular version of the game was was sitting playing it as uh, as Newcastle and my grandma bless her she was probably she was looking after me so I was just literally in the house summer holidays my mum and dad were away I was just sat playing this game and she sat and watched me for about four hours with not a clue as to what was going on. The screen's just flashing. I'm cheering because presumably <laughs> the, the team's winning and scoring goals. Just, she could just see the joy in my face and how much it meant to me and how absorbed and kind of uh, immersed in the in this game for what it was, flashing text. 
you become it becomes your, your world I was at school thinking about like my next match thinking about like telling my mates like oh I'm in the semi-finals of the cup and it, it was almost real life it was the this is before um, or maybe around the same time as the first Grand Theft Auto games but before the kind of almost be a fantasy character games were a thing but you were literally living out a fantasy that was that felt real and you're right as well I mean everyone, everyone was was talking about it like maybe not one version of the game but if they didn't have one they'd have the next year or the previous year so you know it, it, they've always had such a, a long life cycle really I know obviously now they're released every year and they're more or less the same game with the odd tweak you might remember when it went from Championship Manager 2 to Championship Manager 3 where it was a whole new ball game with it you know had a, a new side menu and it was more of a an immersive experience like that was a, a huge step for the it's almost it's almost now I, I don't know if, if the game will ever change it's, it's sort of reached a, a maximum level as, as far as I'm far as I can say anyway yeah I mean I, I, I probably it's more of a time thing than anything else I haven't played a, a, a modern football manager game since about 2011 2012 if I'm honest always got time to go back and play an older one um, it's I, I think there was I mean, they're still good games and I'm sure some of the younger listeners will will still get a lot of fun and, and enjoyment out of the games and, and some of the more modern twists that you, you get and the press conferences and some of the the newer features but um for me there became a point when it just became a little bit too i don't know what the word is too complicated it took too much time i think the beauty of uh of the earlier games is that once you had got through the kind of loading and the in the pre-season you could just crack on and, and play game after game whereas now when they introduced tactics training regimes um there's just there's just so much detail that a pre-season itself would take your whole weekend and you don't actually get to play the game whereas you could definitely bash out a good half season just off, off on a whim on a new game at, at any point in time with the with the slightly older more classic text only games yeah you, you're right and uh, I mean the new games are, they are good games don't get us wrong it's, it's, um, I can see why the, why the series is still so popular but for likes of you and I who are you know going from being a kid being able to play half a season in a you know a couple of hours um, once you come in from work you don't really want to be setting up a pre-season tour to Singapore for your squad to get the match fit for the first game of the season really you yeah. just want something that's going to be cheap and cheerful and keep you keep you occupied for a bit really um, so uh, I, I do double with the new ones every now and again if it's like a bank holiday and there's not much going on I can I can get stuck into it but it's it's a, it's to get the most out of it you've got to really put the time in uh, I imagine if I was a student or you know had had plenty of time in my hands I would I would get stuck into it again but it's uh it's it's a pretty poor experience for someone like me who doesn't really put the effort in and like I say I'll I won't manage the friendlies and all this kind of stuff so I've got no idea what, yeah. no idea what's going on yeah and and to be honest I think it's they're all realistic parts of football everything they add it's not they're just adding it for the sake of it they're all kind of either a reflection of how football is at that point in time or just adding detail because technology's allowing them to do so but yeah I, I think there's something about these classic games which has obviously <laughs> in, kind of captured your imagination that just has never really been repeated and I think that's the kind of the, the cultural impact of, of these it can't be understated I mean it's literally a phenomenon this game has been played all around the world and it was there was players being kind of scouted on Championship Manager before the real world knew about them that was the the most amazing part of this game for me growing up was, was that I learned all of my football knowledge from Championship Manager all the players that I kind of saw um, from the snippets of kind of Italian football you got on a, on a Channel Four Sunday morning and the other leagues meant nothing unless you'd seen them on, on Football Manager on, on, on Championship Manager. I had an unhealthy knowledge of footballers from the lower leagues 
of not just this country but but of European leagues and it's just that that knowledge was was reasonably accurate that that's what was amazing about it and to this day I'm in awe of the the scouting network that these guys had available to them even back then they you know they were pretty much bang on I mean we'll, we'll go on to some of the uh, funny memories of certain players who were maybe a little bit egged to be better than they were but I mean is that for you is that kind of why this game meant so much because I, I, I have to admit I, I learned more about football from playing this than pretty much anything else <laughs> no that's exactly it and uh, I don't know about you but even now like people say to me oh you're really good at geography I'm not I'll just play against yeah. them in the UEFA Cup in like 999 and <laughs> I happen to remember where, where they're from um, so yeah it, it, I've probably learned more about what languages people speak in certain countries based around championship managers than, uh, than any sort of classroom learning but it's just what you pick up as you go along really isn't it absolutely so, um, do you want to regale us with some of your kind of finest stories? Uh, I, or? I'll tell you what, before, before we do that, I'm going to quiz you quiz, quiz you on something. Um, Go on. Let's take you back to August 1996. Go on. And uh, Newcastle United squad at the start of that season. Alan, Alan Shearer is the most valuable player at £15.5 million, according to Championship Manager of that, of that season. Of course. Who would you say was second in the queue? August ninety six. So mm. we've, we've just not won the league and Keegan's still there and obviously Shearer's arrived so everyone's on, you know we're, we're, we're a title contender uh, I'm going to go like Robert Lee uh, he's a bit further down the list uh, he should have been he was he should have, on, he should, not on the door of England higher. at the time uh, uh, Philip Albert he's third at 5 million uh, was he kind of foreign imports uh, Tino Tino is fifth at 4.5 mil August 96 Oh, do we still have Ferdinand then? Yes. Ah, yes. of course. Sir Les, seven and a half mil. Mm. Um, do you, want, you probably won't be able to guess the, the cheapest player in the squad. <laughs> Shaka? Someone like Shaka Hislop? No, it's, no, Shaka is here. Um, it's um, it's not like a first-team player. Ah, uh, go on, this will be it's, a funny one. Uh, it's Jimmy Crawford. of Jimmy Crawford, I remember the name well. 140 grand he'd cost you. <laughs> There's some there's some brilliant players in that Newcastle squad. There's uh, Brian Pinas, which always cracked me up as a as a ten year old kid. Yeah. So um, what I tried last summer was uh, start a game on on ninety seven ninety eight, and as we all Shearer started the game injured, um, so he's he tend to be out between four and six or seven months. It's kind of yeah. potluck with how quickly he heals. Um, and I decided I would try a save without signing anybody throughout the whole save, just to see because normally the first thing I do is I'd go on and I'd buy Bakayoko or someone equally talented to, to fill that void it, for yeah. it. Thierry Henry was my, my go-to the first season. No, that, I mean, that Monaco Still at Monaco. is yeah. insanely good. Um, but hilariously, they've got like a t- tiny stadium and all the wages are so high so they'd inevitably go bust within a couple of years. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, I decided I'd do the save. I wouldn't sign anybody. Um, and it turns out all those young players are actually quite good if you give them game time. Like Players I just would pass over for years on years and just buy, buy players. Um, but your mate penis was uh, he was worth about 11 million by four seasons in and a, a Dutch regular yeah. so there's hope for us all yet <laughs> absolutely but it, was, it, but it was quite interesting because like I say like these are players who I'd normally just not even give the time of day to like uh, Chris Woodcock who starts the game as like a 16 year old who no one's ever heard of I think he's now some sort of technical engineer I looked him up um, <laughs> but they've all got this like massive potential ability so uh, yeah even at the start of the 97-98 season like Newcastle were the kind of team everyone expected to kick on, weren't they? Um, so I'd imagine even the, the the champ man developers were thinking, we've got to give these players some potential, we've got to kind of keep them up there. 
Yeah, the, the, the Shearer injury was the, was the biggest thing, wasn't it? I mean, it's, it just vividly remember it starting the game and thinking, hang on, I know he's I know he's injured, but how are Can we not like just change that? And yeah, I suppose he did have the edit there, but I don't think you could change the fact that Shearer was injured at the start of the season. That was like embedded. No, you had to um, you had to change his name to be like Al Shearer or <laughs> something along those lines, then it would it would lose the injury. But um, oh, really? I never knew but, that nah, <laughs> in all well, these years. It's all about cheating. That's what you need to do. <laughs> No, I was a firm believer in in the kind of the the shallowness of of, of restarting or loading a, a previous save if you lose a game. Like a lot of my friends did, I was like, "Well, where's the, where's the the fun in that? Like, you're going to win eventually." And it's just kind of the, the the fun part of Championship Manager for me was how impossible I found it as a kid. Like, I was I didn't have much tactical now. So I played I played football. I was playing a Sunday league as as a kid by that age, but I was. Totally tactically inept in terms of setting up team. I just have you know every player with a forward line. Run, <laughs> everything you know, was a four four two. Everything was a four four two, but every player had a, a you know a run forward. That that was it for me. Like it meant that winning was so much more important and so much more like amazing <laughs> when when playing these games. It was hard though. You're right, especially with Newcastle because uh, the, in this in ninety seven ninety eight they they're expected to do well, but when you're shorn of your best striker, um, it was obviously a lot harder. Uh, so. Yeah, so I mean, Ian, Ian Rush didn't really cut the mustard at, at the age of 36. So. Yeah, I seem to remember a lot of uh, sackings for finishing like fourth and fifth in the league. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, t- a tough old time. Uh, Freddie was a hard. Well, was it Freddie back then? I guess it probably was before he, you know, went on his mad tirade. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was. He was harsh. He was a harsh chairman. Yes, absolutely. I don't know what you, you mentioned before. Uh, you'd play a lot, lot of this in the, the summer holidays. So where we lived there was there was a bunch of us and we'd we'd play football on night until you know half seven eight o'clock and then we'd pile into this kid ross's house um i think his mom was just glad he was occupied by doing something so it'd be like four or five of us would pile in and play champ man until nine ten o'clock at night and that's really how it how it, it got stuck in in my psyche because you know as i say like the game would, would come out new every year uh, as it turned out my computer wasn't good enough to play Chapman three when it came out, so I, I played ninety seven ninety eight for longer than you know the, the year you normally get on a game. Yep, same, and we, same, and absolutely. Then we, uh, and then we started playing it in this in, the, in Ross's house, and we'd have just four or five player games going where you'd, you'd fight each other for control of the mouse and who could go for certain players and who couldn't, and it was a it was a very competitive environment. Yeah, but, I, I remember uh, but yeah playing on the same screen and saying like you're not allowed to look when I'm putting me bid in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to, to honour it, like because yeah, it's so easy. Well, if you bid first, I'm just going to bid half a million more. It's really competitive. <laughs> it was, and that's you going back to what you're saying there, where you'd never you'd never quit if you lost a game. We never had that choice. Like if you lost a game and someone else had won, well, you, yeah. you're never going to get that back. So very true. You either you either won or you just got relegated, pretty much. So there was uh, there was no get out. And then you'd, t- you'd, be, you'd always have one who was struggling at the bottom of the table, and you'd be selling them like your, your, out, your outcast players who you didn't need, but they were relegation strugglers, so they could have them for the right price. Yeah, I, that, that's, that's, that's one thing I did find about the older versions of the games. Selling players was was really difficult. Um, I think on on more modern football managers, if you stick someone on the transfer list, someone just takes them off your hands. Whereas back in the day, if you had terrible players that weren't getting in your team, you were just kind of lumbered with them, and you had to work, <laughs> work with that squad because you had a. Limit, limits on foreign players and all sorts. It, was, it just felt so real. <laughs> it felt so real. <laughs> nah, selling players it was was hard, especially if they were if they were generally crap. Like no one was going to take them off your hands. Yeah. Like, you were stuck with them, or you had to release them and pay their fee. And you'd get the dreaded the board are disappointed you've released this player. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that means he's good. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Sensational. Right. So um, 
I mean, part of your part of your blog, as you've explained, is just kind of playing through iterations of the game and various scenarios. Do you want to tell us some of your kind of finest findings, so to speak? <laughs> uh, so the game that's been on running for, I think we just started season 11, is uh, a concept which was the academy. So I started with a, a team that was, was blank in... Uh, in the third division, so I had no players, uh, and I had a rule running that I could only sign free transfers under the age of 23, and then any bid that came in had to be accepted. Um, okay. That is the most frustrating save I've ever had to do. But <laughs> um, So basically, you're scouring for free transfers. You don't really have a huge scouting network. You've got um, three league scouts, and they can highly recommend players. Um there's no stats for these scouts, so you're kind of just blindly trusting them that if they're, if they're <laughs> saying a player's good, he probably is. Um, but because it's Division 3, if they're any good, they have a big club release clause, which just means any club who bids for them, the bid automatically gets accepted and you lose them. So uh, it, it took, it, to get out, getting out of the bottom division wasn't too hard. Uh, division 2 wasn't wasn't that bad. The championship, or the first division, whatever you want to call it, was, uh, was a real struggle. Uh, I think I had Ian Russ's regen, who lasted... Maybe a season and a half, but he he got snapped up. <laughs> uh, and then when we finally got to the Premier League, it was just it was a nightmare because obviously buying only free transfers, there's not that many really available who are Premier League quality. So you're relying on these players you've been building up for several years to be ready for the Premier League. Um, eventually, we, we've won the Cup Winners' Cup, which was wasn't that bad. Um, but it's getting there. As more players retire, you pick them up as as, as regen. So I'm sure you're aware of what a regen is, but when a, a proper player retires, they come back with the same same yeah, stats, yeah, but it's yeah. like a like a 19-year-old, um, and generally on a free transfer, which is helpful. Yeah, again, as long as, as as a kid, I, I probably wouldn't have been aware of any of this stuff. I would have just thought, who the hell is this? And you know, <laughs> he's really good, but I would have had no way of linking them to to the player that it probably would have been five years previously. No, and that's that's, that's the thing as well. If people of, of the modern day probably wouldn't appreciate like in '97. Uh, we didn't have the internet. Like if if, yeah. we, if we were if we were struggling here, we had to figure it out for ourselves. We couldn't go and download a Technic or anything like that. We just had to try and figure out a a way of getting a tune out of Stuart Pearce and Bjarne Johnson. Like it just it just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Actually, that kind of takes me back to my my all of my football learning came from this game or from my friends playing this game because that was the that was a bit of it. Like you would go to school and talk to your mates about about players who'd come through for you or, or certain players you'd signed. That's how you found out about them. I mean, that's how we found out about Ibrahima back a year ago. I mean, Everton finally took a punt on him a few years later, but that, that's how I knew about him. And I was so excited to see him and bitterly disappointed. I mean, there's been quite a few over the years. Uh, maybe uh, more recently, there was a um, Freddie Adu is the, is the famous one, isn't he? Who just like everyone raved about football manager got there first and never really, never really materialised, did it? Um, yeah, I am. I, um... I interviewed Cherno Samba just before Christmas. Uh, so Cherno Samba was the striker to get on one or two. Yes. Um, starts at Millwall as like, like seventeen and worth about a hundred grand, but play him and he be- just becomes a world beater. Yeah. But he um, he released a book just before Christmas um, because basically he he didn't ever get his big move that he was expected to get, and his life went off the rails. And now he's ri- written a book about it. But he um, in his interviews full of praise for the game and said he doesn't doesn't hold it against the game whatsoever like the mistakes he made were down to him and not yeah. and not because of the video game whereas Freddie I do um, the total opposite blames the game completely for the expectations that was put on him uh, which he just felt he could never live up to which in itself is testament to the fact that generally Chapman and, and their kind of scouting network are, are, are trusted and, and respected for their opinion 
So if they're saying someone's a wonder kid, everyone believes that they're a wonder kid. That's, yeah. that's the amazing thing. And it all started back in like 97, basically. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to think of others from, from that particular era. But I mean, um, for one that always stuck in my mind was um, Javier Saviola. I think he was around 2000. He came into prominence and he ended up at Barcelona. He's probably the most successful of the Champman identified wonder kids. But he never really hit the the dizzy heights of being the next Maradona that he was perhaps expected. But it, it's no, just a, well, go on. On a, on a similar note, there's um, Perez Munoz Alfonso, who was the most valuable player on on ninety seven ninety eight. Um, he got his big move to, to to Barcelona from from Betis in real yeah. life, but just never kicked on. Never never hit anywhere near the heights, and ended up like going on loan to Marseille and all the like you know various other European clubs to try and try and find it but uh, never never got anywhere near what he's, what he's expected to achieve so um, as you say they can they can build them up but it's, it's you know they can only do so much it's ultimately down to the, how the player yeah. gets on in real life really but it's, it's a funny one I've never really seen the, 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 the Freddie Adu thing I can totally believe that he blames the game but it's mad isn't it like to to be so convinced that um, <coughs> the world thinks well rather the world to be so convinced that he's going to be a good player and maybe even hate at the time he was like, "No, guys, I'm not that good. It's just, it's just a game." And, and like, yeah. The thing as well with with him, he was he was 14 uh, when he was on the game, and that's quite a young age to be exposed to. Uh, to what was, I think the way he paints it is like people would turn up to watch him play, expecting him to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, when in reality, even on the game, you'd have to play him for three, four, five seasons to get him, you know, to the level of a of a proper professional footballer. Because at 14, it's not really Roy the Rover stuff is it? You don't really get many fourteen-year-olds who are run, running Premier League games. No, so, absolutely, um, absolutely. So I think that probably probably is a bit of a sticking point for him. But uh, I, I, again, I, I don't really agree with him. I think if he hasn't got the mindset to deal with that kind of thing, he's probably not cut out to be a top-level professional anyway. Which is easy for me to say, sat here playing video games, but still. <laughs> no, but I think you're right. I think you're right. But again, I think it's just testament to how much impact culturally these games had and how how much they were kind of believed to be to be right i mean you've we've all read the stories of people who played these and were kind of given lower league jobs because they were so successful and i don't know <laughs> if they were true or just kind of you know just made good copy but it, it, that's just how much of a, a big deal every every version of chapman was and um yeah i mean generally they got it right so yeah we talk about some of the really really famous ones like freddie do but there were there were players on these games. I mean, to us, Thierry Henry, he was he was getting prominent, but he was so good on that game. If you bought him, you were guaranteed to to do well. For me, I learned about him from from that, and then he went on to to be the player he was. I mean, I might be the only one who didn't know about Thierry Henry as, <laughs> as a ten year old, but you know, there was there was other players that I think on on that game. I mean, yeah, you're right, that Monaco side. I think uh, he had Bartes. He was always available. Um, I seem to remember uh, Richard Wright. <laughs> From Ipswich before he kind yep. of he made it in, in the England team and no, nobody knew of him at the time, so there was just there was just so many. I mean the the best one really is, is John Curtis who um, was Man United's Youth Cup winning captain of let's say 1994, 1995, something like that. Uh, I don't know if you've read Kieran Dyer's book, but uh, he mentions him as being like the best player in that in that, that level of England squad. Yeah. Um, and he was just expected to be like England's next captain, England's next best centre half for the next decade, whatever. Um, but he never really got the, that much of a chance at Man United. I think he played right back. He was a centre half. He played right back a bit for 
Fergie, I think he played right back in the 7-0 over yeah. Barnsley. Um, and then he just never got another opportunity, so he ended up going to Blackburn and Leicester and places like that. So for him, he had a he had a good career, like a better career than a lot of players, but um, it's uh, probably quite hard to take when knackers like me are on Twitter saying, here's John Curtis, 100 England caps. Um, <laughs> well, it's... it's it is. I've interviewed a few like people involved with the game and that kind of thing. Like there's a guy called Bjorn Heidenstrom who, it's the oddest thing. Like he played four games for Leighton Orient at the end of '96, '97. Um, I think he played in the game where Shilton made his thousandth appearance. Right. Yeah. Um, he was so unheard of. I asked like the Leighton Orient researcher what happened to him, and he's like, I've honestly got no idea. He's not actually in the Rothmans book for the year after. Wow. But but in this game, he's just a 30 year old Norwegian who just dominates every league he plays in Like you could put him in Barcelona's team you could have him in Ireland for Darlington uh, and he's just the best player in the no matter whatever league it is and it's insane it makes no sense and no one knows why he's that good um, but he by contrast just totally embraces it he, he's, uh, he was a good laugh and he signed a couple of books for us to give away so I'm always quite indebted to him but uh, contrast him to say Curtis who uh, just won't, won't engage at all yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's. I suppose if it, it depends how you see it. Yeah, if it's if it's hyped you up and then you've never really lived up to it, it must be hard to to chew. I can I can kind of see where they're coming from. Um, for for every one of those, there's there's a one that kind of the first time you see them hit the Premier League. And I um, Bakayoko was the was the was the main the the first one. But then there was there was players like um, it might have been a few. It might have been the O one or two. Kim Karlstrom talked no, about him for years at school. He was unbelievable on air. On football, uh, Champman. It must have been a one or two, um, it was, yeah. on, and certainly for the next few years of Champman. And we're like, why is nobody buying him? Why aren't Newcastle trying to buy him? He's classy. <laughs> just what we need: attacking midfielder. And then he he finally appeared at Arsenal years and years later, and he was a, a bit of a flop. And it was like, ah, oh. well, after all those years, I was so excited to see him play. And it's just, but at the same time, the excitement of the reason I know about this guy at all is because I relentlessly fielded him for for my. Uh, you know Chelsea team back in 2001 that, that that's when you realize that championship manager has kind of shaped your your view of football entirely yeah i do sometimes wonder what what, what i'd be like if i hadn't um we i don't want to say wasted but played so many hours <laughs> of, uh, of these games but it was it was sad seeing Carlson turn up at arsenal with his with his gummy back and uh not really being able to to do much uh, especially after he'd won me the treble in 2006 but yeah. you can't hold that against him i suppose <laughs> um, so um, Dave we've, we've rambled on for over half an hour um, is there anything else you'd like to tell us I mean uh, in fact you can tell the listeners where they can find your blog or your books or what your Twitter handle is because I've thoroughly recommended it to anyone who had any kind of interest in these games because they're a big part of my childhood and the, the kind of nostalgic feeling I'm getting from I mean it's it's 20 years old 20, 21 years old and it, it feels I can put myself right back there it, it's it's so good so take it away Dave uh, alright so um, I'm on Twitter at cm9798 uh, the blog itself is cm9798.co.uk um, so the blog is as well as my service is a couple of guest bloggers who've just been fans of the site and wanted to contribute so they we've got saves going up uh, four days at the minute of the week which is which is good um, we've also recently launched uh, cm0102 blogs which is obviously about CM102, um, that's quite new, so if you want to give that a follow and help boost our numbers, that would be great. Um, that's more or less going to be the same deal. Um, I've got to save going on that at the minute with Hartlepool, um, trying to get them up through the divisions with the likes of Mike Duff and Jamie Victory and uh, other great names from the past who 
sadly didn't really amount to that much, but were very, very good. Robert Page, centre-half. Robert Page is uh, my favourite centre-half on Champman next <laughs> year. He, he, uh, he's inexplicably fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed at minimum of a seven in every game. So, oh, yeah. so reliable. He, him and uh, him and John Curtis is your, is your centre-half <laughs> partnership. You, you can't go wrong. Sorry, I've interrupted you. Carry on. Oh, I think I was. I think I was at the end. But uh, yeah, um, say at CM nine seven nine eight or at CM or one or two blogs. Brilliant. No, Dave, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. It's always nice to kind of take a step back from the t- tumultuous world of Newcastle United and, and just talk about some other kind of light-hearted football football stuff. And uh, yeah, Championship Manager has been a huge part of so many of our lives. Um, even if it isn't anymore, it's nice to kind of take a journey back to childhood when we just had so much free time so i really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about it like i say get follow him on twitter have a look at the blog it is it's really good reading honestly my pleasure thank you very much thank you for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.